Welcome to the Negative Space Podcast. I am your host, Sean Rogers. Before we begin, I'd like to thank our physical host of the podcast, Blue Ridge Brewing Company. They have been very hospitable to us as their neighbors as we sit and enjoy their welcoming space, wonderful food, and delicious drinks all at affordable prices. Their squeaky door welcomes every neighbor, no matter how far they have come. If you're looking for a locally owned and operated restaurant, find your way to the brick streets of downtown Greer to give Blue Ridge Brewing Company a visit. This week, I was able to sit down with the executive director of Greer Relief, Caroline Robertson, and board member Scott Harkey about who they are and what Greer Relief is. Caroline will cover a brief history of Greer Relief I found it particularly interesting that it was started during the Great Depression. That got me thinking, and in light of some economic issues that I've been noticing over the last few years, and more importantly, the last few months, a quote from FDR came to mind. It's actually the whole first paragraph of his fireside chat after the start of what we have now come to call the Great Depression. I want to talk for a few minutes with the people of the United States about banking and the comparatively few who understand the mechanics of banking, but more particularly with the overwhelming majority who use banks for the making of deposits and the drawing of checks. I want to tell you what has been done in the last few days, why it was done, and what the next steps are going to be. I recognize that many proclamations from state capitals and from Washington, the legislation, the treasury regulations, etc., couched for the most part in banking and legal terms, should be explained for the benefit of the average citizen. I owe this in particular because of the fortitude and good temper with which everybody has accepted the inconvenience and hardships of the banking holiday. I know that when you understand what we in Washington have been about, I shall continue to have your cooperation as fully as I have had your sympathy and help during this past week. Let's get into my interview with Caroline Robertson and Scott Harkey of Greer Relief. Well, thank you, Caroline Robertson and Scott Harkey, for joining us today. Um, Caroline, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, um, so I'm from the upstate, um, lived most of my life um, in the upstate of South Carolina. Originally, I was born actually in uh, Richmond, Virginia, but lived there for less than a year before my parents relocated to South Carolina. Um, my parents took a position at uh, Thornwell Home for Children. You're good. Hey, hey Rachel, how are you? Uh, I Water. think we asked Brittany for some waters. Yeah. And I'll do another yellow pills, please. Yeah. Okay. Freddie's with you guys. So oh, Freddie's with us? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I won't save a bacon wrapped jalapeno popper for you. <laughs> I, I will. I will. Okay. I will start over. Yeah. Um, That's the fun part about like the um, just the life aspect of this. It's uh-huh. just like, all right. So um, I am from, mostly from the upstate, Um, lived most of my life here, Um, 
my, I was born in Richmond, Virginia. My parents uh, relocated to South Carolina where they um, took a position at Thornwell Home for Children and were house parents for many years at Thornwell Home for Children. We were in the boys' home and served, they served the boys' home, a couple of boys' home, where they had three girls. And so I believe a lot of my focus on service came from watching my parents serve. Um, the, they moved uh, halfway through my formidable years, moved to the town proper of Clinton, where I attended Clinton High and then went on to Clemson University and um, actually joined two service, uh, served as, joined a service fraternity and a service sorority and just continued to serve. I graduated Clemson, I went into the uh, entertainment industry actually uh, for a couple of years before I jumped feet first into nonprofits. My first position was at Safe Harbor, the domestic violence shelter of Greenville, Oconee, Pickens, and Anderson, um, where I served as volunteer coordinator and worked my way up to director of operations uh, seven years later, and then looked around and was ready for that next position. And that next position was a great relief. Um, I believe that I have been called. My, all of my my time, my career, my service, my volunteering has been very organic, very, I have, I have had a, I have felt the tug, I have felt the pull, and um, the Greer Relief is no exception. And so when I came to Greer Relief, um, even being interviewed, I came in and there was a panel of five people. And let me say, nobody should be interviewed by five people. <laughs> at, their, at one time, their first interview for any position whatsoever. And looking at that very intimidating process, right smack in the middle, was somebody that I respected, appreciated, and loved through the Safe Harbor program. And I just interviewed with her, <laughs> focused on her, focused on her questions, answered others, of course, wasn't disrespectful in any way in that, but just really focused on and, sh and just lit up with knowing that I had, I had somebody in the room that I knew for a fact was an advocate and knew what I could do and what I could bring to this organization. Greer Relief was struggling at that time. Um, they were on the brink of some funding hard decisions with several large funders, and I knew I could do something. I knew I could make a difference. So having some conversations with them and continuing that process, offered the position, came in, and 15 and a half years later... <laughs> You're still there. I'm still there. The organization is in a, I mean, stronger position to say the very least. And um, we are a, we're a strong organization, full staff. I mean, there were two and a half people when I started. We have nine, we have nine staff what members. What happened to the other half? <laughs> <laughs> well, part-time, oh, okay. part-time, okay. part-time. And um, we, had, we had no volunteers. Last year, mm. last year, over 300 volunteers. Um, and if anything is a testimony, to the work that's done at, a, at any organization, look to the volunteer support. 
and look and see who invests in that organization free. Free time, free resources, free, and then you'll see an organization that that is thriving. And yeah. the volunteer hours are, or volunteers are important because for every hour they volunteer, it's worth a certain amount of money per dollar per per hour. So when we apply for grants, and I say we royally because I don't apply for grants, um, but a lot of times they'll ask how many how many volunteer hours, how many hours, how many dollars would that equate to? So that's that's key to for us to get additional funding. So it goes to investment. That's so, um, but on a personal, I married two kids. One at, one at Clemson, so of course, absolutely loving the fact that my son is stepping through my foot, in my footsteps there. And another, um, a junior, almost a senior, blows my mind, um, in high school, so. Scott? Um, I was born in Syracuse, New York, and raised in the Catskills in New York. A beautiful place to grow up, a town of less than 400 people. It was a great place to grow up and a great place to get the hell out of. Um, my junior year in high school, I came down to Clemson with my grandfather, which was a, that was a road trip for the ages, um, to look at Clemson. Um, my high school guidance counselor was a friend of the family. I mean, it's kind of that small, you know, everybody. And I looked at Cornell and said, Scott, you could get in, but you would hate it. He said, you like to have a good time. At least once a semester, somebody jumps. They have a bridge. It's called Suicide Bridge. He said, at least once a semester. Something, and I'm like, nah, no, I'm not, 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 not good for that. So... Came down to Clemson and fell in love with it. They wanted me to graduate a year early, which I was not down for. Um, my dad died in May, and I left for Clemson in August, 1981. So uh, it, was, it was a little rough, but uh, you know my wife had to go on. So um, 42 years later, here I sit. Um, with uh, so I worked for Clemson for seven years after I got my my bachelor's as a photographer, and then went back and got my international. Uh, masters in Italy for eight months, um, and then have been literally in the upstate since then. So with a, a two-year stint in um, in Denver and eight months in Italy when I was getting my masters. So, but this this area, this town, is my home. So. And I got involved with Greer Relief. You're a boomerang board member. Yeah. So this is towards the end of your second term. I think we estimated about 13 years-ish, yeah, somewhere in that so, range. Um, just a few. Yeah. Just, you know, and they're almost, almost the entire tenure of my yeah. directorship. So they're gluttons for punishment. They keep bringing me back. I don't I don't know why, but um, I believe in the organization. I believe in what we do. You know, we help our neighbors. And when I first came on the board, that we used the term clients, and I, did, I just despised it. I was like, that makes us sound like we're better than they are. We're not. So we've adopted the term neighbors, and that's taken on kind of a life of its own. Scott was the reason behind that change. So we, we were doing some strategic planning and some revisioning and looking at our vision and our mission statement at that time and really looking to see. And, it, you know, client is such a clinical term, such a, you know, what we do is is a is a product is a service but it is it's such of a personal nature and we get to know our neighbors on a much more personal basis when we if you say client it it puts a barrier it puts a it puts a wall it puts that's a good way to put it 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 puts a sheet something in between it it puts a table something in there but when you say neighbor it it puts us all on a different it puts us all in that same space yeah. 
And when we're talking to our, when we're talking to our neighbors, it's albeit but the grace that we might actually be in that same situation. And a lot of times it, it really is just, you know, it's very close. And um, so a lot of times it's, you know, people that we're sitting in the pew with, people that we're standing in line. That are in the cubicle next door. Standing in line at the grocery store, Mm -hmm. standing in line, um, sitting, sitting across from at, sitting across from at a restaurant, um, but walking down the street, walking down Trade Street, um, our neighbors are just like us. They just are in need of a little different help at this point in time. And then past that, who knows? I think it's interesting that you said, uh, hey, Freddie. If you can give us about 45 minutes, 45 minutes, if you don't mind, yeah, no problem. And then, yeah, definitely gonna order. Yeah. At least me, I don't know about them. They probably want to get home to their families, so thank, thank you, Freddie. You're welcome. When we said neighbors, when you said neighbors, there's a very interesting idea that came to my mind. You talked about how. You know, you can look at an organization about how people give their time, like as volunteers. And then, you know, you use the term neighbors as a, rather than some sort of cold, disconnected usage. Um, Maybe you didn't intend on this, but um, one of the things that Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers, from his neighborhood, um, one thing he always said, or actually his mother would tell him, um, look, when, when something bad happens, when there's a hard time, look to the helpers. Yes. Because it's the people who are volunteering mm-hmm. that there's something different with those people. And the fact that you use the word neighbor, mm-hmm. and like that's kind of the whole idea of this podcast, is part of this podcast is helping the upstate meet their neighbors mm-hmm. in a different capacity. So at... You are both working with Rear Relief at different capacities. Yes. Scott, you are on the board. Correct. Caroline, you are the director, executive director. My apologies. We'll get that title just right. Um, What is kind of the five elevator pitch length history of Rear Relief? From its start to when you came along. Okay. And during the Great Depression, there was funding given to communities across the United States to pull those communities out of, um, out of need and relieve them. Those, that funding was called Relief Fund. So FDR was the president in office at that time. So the relief funds came in the 1930, like 1933, 1934 time frame. Greer, of course, was one of those communities that received those funds. They were housed by the American Red Cross. But Greer, being Greer, was a little different, as we all know here. And what they did is not only took the relief funds, the Greer relief funds that came in, they also put their own funds in that account. So when the relief funds were gone and American Red Cross said, okay, we're done, there was still an account of Greer funds available. 
So the American Red Cross said, okay, Greer, there is the Greer Relief Funds are still available. We're leaving it in your hands. And so they stepped out of the picture and a volunteer organization emerged in 1936 called Greer Relief. And about 40 or so years, it was a volunteer-led, run, fully organization, um, helping people with food and financial clothing. clothing. Because if you think about Greer in the 1930s, it was a huge textile area. I mean, there wasn't, you didn't have the BMW or you know, the heavy manufacturing. Textile and farming. Yeah. And so um, they, they helped them that way. Then, then in the, and then about the, the 50s and 60s, then in the 50s and 60s, they, they hired on some staff, a part-time staff director who still had volunteers helping her, but then they started getting a little bit more serious with some funding, brought on some additional funding partners that tried to help stabilize the organization a little bit more, and then our organization started to mature at that point. Uh, then in the 80s, Greer Relief um, came into with United Way, and then that's when it really, it really was elevated. Then in 91, we moved into the J. Byrne Smith Center that um, Byrne Smith, the then Senator Byrne Smith, had um, partnered with the city of Greer and several state agencies to bring an all-in-one center, resource center, to Greer. So instead of taking the people to the services, he brought the services to the people. And Greer Relief was the organization. been a lot more of those happening. What's going on? I've wondered that myself. I do know the traffic situation on, what is it, Wade Hampton? Yeah, and, and Brushy Creek. And Brushy Creek. It's going down line. Of course it is. It's turning. Learning to get used to those and the train. <laughs> Yeah. In downtown, have been. The train wasn't so bad. Like, you can get used to it. Within about schedule. two weeks, you I don't hear it. You desensitized. Yeah. I live almost this close to the train growing up. Wow. All right, let me figure it out where I was. Okay. Was, I think I know. There was one, there was one officer like sitting over here across from the old mattress factory. And I like I had some cookies I was bringing to some people, and I like walked up like, "Do you want a cookie?" And he was like, "Yes." <laughs> <laughs> like, here you go, man. Calm down. <laughs> so, and so and and so we went in to that center, that that resource center, and ran the center for the city and that organization. So the J. Vernon Smith Center came out of that. And we've been there ever since, mm -hmm. running the resource center and co-locating with other organizations. We've had some organizations come and go. Um, still the same, three of us have been there. Uh, we also have uh, the Free Medical Clinic and SC Works also with us. And the reason that um, J. Vernon Smith decided to do that because Greer is a, we are split between Greenville County and Spartanburg County. So we're just far enough away from Greenville and Spartanburg that our neighbors who need assistance 
most of them do not have any transportation or reliable transportation. So to send a young mom to Greenville or to Spartanburg for WIC, is, it's probably not going to happen for that young lady. They just so, won't go. So to be able to have the services literally within walking distance for a lot of our neighbors is, is huge. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a big thing for, for us and for in the community. So Bring the resources to the people. Yeah. So I came in 2007, and um, we have been expanding our service and our footprint and making sure that our neighbors continue to get the help they need. Mm. Uh, we still, at that point in time, were a very transactional organization, still putting Band-Aids, still making sure people get the need but or get the assistance, but really just making sure that they get the help. We now have moved into transformational, trying to make sure that they get that next step program, that additional help with next step programs, fill in the toolbox, uh, life skills, job services, healthy living, financial wellness, making sure that they get more than just, here's a Band-Aid, see yeah. you next time. We paid your power bill. Right. See ya. When was, when was that switch? When did that like go from the Band-Aid to let's Band-Aid, but also let's put a stint in and like start supporting this October 2007 <laughs> you you remember it well do you remember the that's the first, month I got here <laughs> do you remember the first program you put in place that so, was specifically for building rather than I hired a case manager I hired a Latino case manager we have a lot of Latinos in the community and we served zero percent so I'm, I said, we need somebody on staff, not just a volunteer. Volunteers are fabulous, but we needed somebody that was regular enough that we could control the timing and the, and the delivery. We needed somebody on staff who could speak the language and that they knew they could count on. And ever since then, we've had somebody. Is she still on with y'all? We have had several since her. Okay. So, so you, you've always kept that, that avenue aspect. open because... Do you know what, of the, you know, here's the breakdown of all of your different um, socioeconomic background look into, is there any, like, you're like, oh, well, here's because of this specific, you know, community or this specific, Mm -hmm. you know, need that we're starting to see in the community you bring in people to fill in to help those puzzle pieces. we went up three percent within the first year year and a half hmm. from zero from zero from zero in the, the serving latinos yeah and the nice thing is the the city has worked with us on uh creating a map that um because we collect the, the address data so we have a heat map so we know what um what neighborhoods are, come to see us more frequently. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's been really helpful, like for me at least, to know where, you know, where are, where are those pockets in our, in our community that consistently, you know, we, we know we, they're going to come in for help. So that's, that helps, I think, helps us yes. plan to report that. Well, it's helped us look and see, okay, here's the, here's the hot spot here, and, and not hot spot in a bad way, just here's the, the grouping Maybe. of where our, neighbors are and where they're coming from so looking at you know knowing that oh we have a lot of people that live on this street and a lot of people that live on that street is one thing but actually seeing it on a on a space on a map is a 
whole different story. We now have that built into Charity Driver. Nice. <laughs> what, um, what are some of the ways that Greer Relief helps its neighbors? So our, like I said, our transactional, our, our service, that, our program that we've had for um, since the 30s is our stability, our essential service program. That is our food, our in-kind, our, our pantry. Utilities. And our financial assistance program. So, and that's meeting people where they are. So you walk in the door right then and say you're hungry, you get food. You walk in the door and say you need help with your rent, we're going to talk to you about what, what you need to fill out because our funders require certain things. But we're going to talk to you about what those needs are and help you get that paperwork together. And as soon as we have a complete application, let's go. But the other thing is when they come in and sit down with the neighborhood advocate, um, yes, we want to help that, that immediate need. But we, want, we need to get a better picture of the, the household. How many people are in the household? What's, what are the incomes? What's coming in? What's going out? Is it is it a budgeting thing, or is it somebody broke a leg, or so you know something else? And that's where we're getting to know them. So that's that's the start of getting to know them. Some we've known for a while, and some we're just now seeing for the first time. Our re, our return rate is less than twenty percent. So less than twenty percent of the people that we see year year over year have we seen in the last two years. Most of them are new to need, is what we call them. And to and Caroline's, um, go, ahead. go ahead. So to Caroline's point, she mentioned trap, uh, charity tracker. So when somebody comes in, and thankfully, the percentage of people that try to game the system is so low, it's basically not it doesn't even exist. But we can log in with their their info and see if they've tried if they've gone to another agency that uses charity tracker within the next, you know if like they went to the agency hop you know okay I'm going to hit them today them tomorrow them Monday. So we we nip that bud because we have to be good stewards of. of the of the funds that we get and help as many of our neighbors as we can. And like I said, thankfully, that's a very, very low number. So what that system does um, is allows us to, if somebody comes in, when somebody comes in and asks for any type of service or program, um, we're able to pull them up within that system and see what other programs that they are accessing. So we can see if they're part of the GED program. We can see if they've received food from another organization. We can see if they're part of a parenting program at another organization. And then they can see if they've received food or financial or part of our Renew program. Um, and Renew is our transactional, um, yeah, transformational program. So that is the program we have that is part of that next step program, that toolbox, trying to help change that life, trying to help change that trajectory. Or change the family dynamic. That, help make that move, help make that change so that so that they don't need us. They don't want, they, who wants to come forever in a day to the same place and say, can I please have, can I please have more please? They want to make changes. They really do. You have relief and renew. Yes. As your. Well, re, all of that's, all of that's part of great relief. All, right. So you're, you have an immediate need and then you also have a trans, transformational need. What is the amount of people that come in for that quick need that then are put into the transformational? Not as not as many as we would like. So um, a lot of people will come in for help, but 
maybe it's just that one instance. And it may be just probably... a one-time, maybe just a one-time hit, and then they're gone. Or it may be that they need help this one time, and then we see them another time next year. Or it may be that they come in, and, and after the con continued conversations, we're pulling them. We are pulling them into Renew, um, showing them the classes that they can take. And then there's also some that we have those conversations with and continue to get to know that we're like, okay, we've seen you twice about your husband's passing. And it's time to take those next steps and take, take control of your finances. Mm -hmm. And in part of taking control of your finances, you need to open up your, your own bank account. And you need to manage your own accounts and your own budget, and, and let's give you the tools to make that happen. And instead of being frozen and feeling like because of this situation, because of what has ha had happened, you can't do this. Let's give you the tools to do this, and let's empower. What classes does Career Relief offer? Uh, our classes are volunteer-based. Um, they um, are focused on job services. Uh, financial wellness and healthy living living they i know a little southern country. little it's southern fine. came out there a second it's, it's, we, we anticipated this <laughs> i don't we sound have a very fil southern. we have a filter for southern so it just like all comes out i don't sound very southern often um so our job services classes can be resume writing how to get a job how to get a better job um, one of my favorite stories with that is we had a, a friend who is a recruiter for one of our local manufacturing companies and they they came and taught a class how to get a better job and most of our class members at that time at that particular class were in the fast food industry they had been in fast food for, for a minute or two one in particular had been working for a, a local fast food chain that is known for their biscuits this particular neighbor had been working there for seven years. So she said, well, how, I mean, seriously, who's going to hire me? All I do is make biscuits. Ooh. He said, okay, stop. Let's talk about this. All you do is make biscuits. Tell me your day. Tell me what you do. Sure. Okay. Well, I, <laughs> I get there at five o'clock in the morning and I open the door and I go in. He goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. Who else is there? She said, no, nobody. It's just me. I just open the door and go in. He goes, you're there by yourself and you unlock the door. So you're a key holder. Well, okay. How long before anybody shows up? It's like an hour and a half before anybody else shows up. What else do you do when you get there? <laughs> so she starts walking through the process. I mean, she's turning things on. She's getting things started. She is the opener for this fast food chain she all she did was turn things on in her mind all she did was unlock the door and turn things on no she's the key holder the value that she did not see in the work that she did in the in the responsibility that she had was nil she had value that she never gave herself hmm. and then she starts making the biscuits <laughs> So she is the primo of the biscuit maker. Like she is the one that every, like they all look to her. She's, she trains anybody that comes in to do it. She makes biscuits ahead of time for when she's going to be out. That kind of, I mean, she is the biscuit maker for this place. 
But she, again, gave herself no credit for this amazing responsibility, responsibility and task that she, that she had. She had been there for seven years at the same location while manager after manager just turnover after turnover and other people around her were just, and she's training people and she's trained. No, she, all she did was show them what to do. Did, but she didn't consider herself a trainer. She right. just told them what to do. I'm just telling them what to do. I'm just telling them what to do. So he's telling her, like, and he's, and so at the end, she, he's like, I would hire you at BMW in a heartbeat. How much do you make? And she, she shared three times what you're making right now. She goes, whoa, wait, what? And he goes, you've been working at the same place for seven years. And you've got dependability, and he starts just listing out all these attributes that, again, she gave herself no credit in doing. Our neighbors are some of the hardest working people I know. And that's that's another misconception that people have is that yes. they, they don't they don't work that they, that just they don't come have in jobs. Handout. That yeah. they eighty three percent of the neighbors that we serve have jobs. And they are most have multiple jobs. Yes, many of them have multiple jobs. They are underemployed don't have enough to make all the things happen at home. It's expensive to have a family. It's expensive to especially if somebody's sick. Transportation. There's no person you have to have personal transportation in our community, in the communities that we serve. There is no public transportation. So having a car, having insurance, paying taxes, all of that costs money. And if you screw up one time, it costs even more money. So it, it, it can, be, can be a lot, and it can really set somebody back if they hadn't walked that perfect little line. So, so what I love about the Renew program is the, the people that, you know, a lot of companies, you can, you can adopt a family for Christmas. I have no idea what a 14-year-old girl needs or wants. And a lot of times it's something that's super simple, like a new set of sheets, new towels. So when the, the parents <clears throat> take the Renew program classes, they are in credits. So when it comes to Christmas time, they can go into a Christmas shop and shop, and shop for their family. So it's not a hand, it's not like here I'm going to give you this basket and hope you something. You're not here. shopping for our neighbors. Our neighbors are shopping for themselves because so they have gone through the classes, earned Renew Rewards. They've gone through all three sets of the classes, earned Renew Rewards, turned those in for appointments for the Christmas program, and then they go shopping for their own family. Because what parent doesn't want? to shop for their own kid for Christmas. So at Christmas time, our sponsors, they are sponsoring the shop and our inventory, and they're stocking the shop. They're buying blankets and gift cards and bicycles bicycles and baby, baby mobiles and that kind of thing. And then our neighbors are going in and shopping for their own kids. And then our volunteers are volunteering in the shop to get to know our neighbors. And helping them shop. And the other thing, we have uh, the Renew Shop where somebody can come in and, you know, they've been out of work for a while. They need decent clothes to go to an interview. So they can come in and with the Renew credits, they can buy at very, very, very reasonable prices a nice blouse or a nice skirt that they can go to interview in. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's helping them get out of that cycle. Many of our boutiques here in downtown Greer have donated to that shop so they're shopping there's nicer clothes than i'm wearing <laughs> they're shopping <laughs> off of 
nice, nice boutique clothes a lot of times. Mm. So that's job services. We also have financial wellness. So that goes to the budgeting classes, that goes to the credit classes, that goes to how to, how to open a bank account. Um, so it's, it's, sometimes it's the very basic, sometimes it's reading a credit report, how to, how to get a credit report. So, um, we are, our base program is looking to the FDIC for the smart, um, oh shoot, the, I can't think of the name of the program there, but the FDIC has a program that we look to for some of the baseline, but many of our, our, um, credit and our financial institution volunteers have their own program built into their financial institution. So they are already coming trained to be credit, credit counselors and, and, um, and presenters. And so with that, they come ready to present and ready to share their knowledge and encourage our, our neighbors in, in their various topics. Um, and then our healthy living is all the other things. So from mind, body, spirit, nutrition, uh, one of our favorite classes, um, Jeff, um, one of Scott's friends, Jeff, who's a chef, he takes one of our food boxes from the food pantry and opens it up, and he will teach a recipe it's out like of chopped. a food box. So it's chopped food pantry edition. So he'll pull out and say, okay, today we're going to take this and this and this. And then so he'll take a box, and he'll pull out things and say, we'll take this and this and this. And he will put the box aside and say, okay, we're going to make a recipe with these things that you see in your food box every time. And then he'll make, put a recipe together. So giving folks an idea of what they can do with the food that they receive out and of the proper, food pantry. proper portioning and proper storage. And because a lot of our neighbors, they don't have that, that history of, of good nutrition in their family. I mean, they may have one of grandma's recipes, which is great, but in the situation they're in, they may not be able to get those items. So for Jeff to be able to take that box <clears throat> and literally it's just what they would get if they came in and create something really tasty and delicious and just go, I didn't even think that was possible. And it's pretty cool. Yeah. <clears throat> With each of these classes and programs, you have both investment and return. What has been one of the biggest returns on investment, either by time or money, that Greer Relief has seen? I haven't even mentioned it yet. Um, debating if, about talking about see, renew. Yeah, yeah, I'm debating yeah. about talking so about it, renew it, or buy. To, to me, it's it's two two different things yeah. exactly because yeah. renew is about helping our neighbors get out of the cycle and get get life skills. Hmm. That's incalculable. We don't we don't know, and the, our goal is to get that family, not just that person, but that family, out of that cycle. Well, I mean, you could calculate it by the number of people that, I mean, you would have to have better census data, I would guess, but there, there are some ways you could calculate it. One of the ways is them not coming back. We are in the process of, of tabulating some of that in the, in the return rate and the non-return rate, which flips into the... Because that'll also, like, if you, you know, you look at, well, wait, <laughs> this is always the fun part here. You do get to see some really cool cars. <laughs> yeah, like that, that one. Um, spider, yeah, I think is what it's called. Spider or, or slingshot. Yeah. Or yeah. Um, 
like, I think certain tax data is available. Um, but it's, it's interesting when you start looking at the data. It's like, okay, well, what, what, are the, some of, what are some of the ways we can look at how we measure it? So. Yeah. And then with VITA, that's, that's a strict dollar amount. So, it's, so we haven't even talked about VITA. Yeah. So <laughs> VITA is a program that um, we're a partner agency with United Way, um, particularly the United Way of Greenville. And VITA is the Volunteer Income Tax Assistance Program. Um, we've been partnering with them for 12, maybe 13 years. Um, and what we do is we assist people with their taxes. For free. For free. And that program has grown exponentially over the years and really being able to help our neighbors put that money back in their pocket where instead of the big green box or the Lady Liberty on the corner where they would lose three to four hundred dollars. Yes. And so and then if they have other addition every piece of paper after that is another fee. So every time they every time they have an additional something, it's more money out of their pocket. We charge nothing. And that's another volunteer led program. We have our we have a staff person that facilitates, but it is just grown again exponentially. Um, we had a million dollar year two years ago, um, and, and that's not including the money that this, the family saved. So that's yes. an additional, probably quarter of a million. So from just from from not having to pay a tax preparer. How do you calculate that? Well, we're starting to keep track of it because we know the number of returns that we do per season. And now Yvonne is actually calculating that number to say, okay, we did 482 returns. Let's say conservatively it's $300 per family. We know that's a low number, but that's, that's, a, that's a tangible amount that that family did not have to put out. Right. Um, not to mention the, the refund they get. So, and it's... Uh, we get referrals from. So you do. So we do a lot of repeat based on number of. What I'm asking you, like, what's the formula? How do you come out to, you know, we helped, you know, get a million dollar a year. Oh no, that's an actual cash to the to the community. So if we helped you get a fourteen hundred dollar return, that we helped you get a fourteen hundred dollar okay. return. On top of the. And then it's let we we are now starting to tabulate the fee that we are saving that person got it so yes. that's that's and what in that, that fee changes based on does that fee change yes depending know. on the complex, complexity of the return so if you've got three w-2s from part-time jobs each w-2 is an extra oh i forgot about that aspect you said that there are a lot of our neighbors that are working multiple jobs right mm -hmm. and so they have multiple they have w -2s. multiple w-2s so each, you're saying each paper costs money oh Yep. Okay. Got it. So every time they're putting that one of those in front of somebody, that's more money that they're getting charged for that. But you guys document. are tracking not only how many people you're helping, how much money each individual got, but now you're adding in how much it likely would have cost that individual to have their taxes prepared. Yes. Correct. Okay. And we keep those numbers separate because one is an absolute number oh, yeah. Of, yeah. of the returns because we know how much money they're getting back. And then the other one is kind of an estimate. Just 
ballparking it, but yeah. it's still an important number because that's, uh, you know, that, and they don't, a lot of people don't think about that. Well, okay, you got your taxes free, yes, but that's three to $400 that that family has available to do whatever they need. Could be, yeah. could be medical expenses, could be medicine, could be utilities. So that's, that, that moves the needle for that, that family. That's a lot. I mean, how long have you been tracking that? That we've just been tracking this year. Just the, okay. Well, now we've been tracking the total amount that we've brought back for the entire time. And we can go back and look at the number of people that, that we did returns for. Yeah. So our our savings, for example, this year, our very conservative estimate this year that we is just under two hundred thousand dollars is what we estimate. So w- that's about two thousand returns or two thousand W two. That is um, six hundred and fifty one returns. Six hundred and fifty one returns, mm-hmm. but that doesn't include like. Like you said, some of those people have multiple W two, and that's that's numbers. why. So she took she took a sampling oh, cool. and said, okay, this is this is a sampling of how like what our typical, and then she said, okay, this is the high end, this is the low end, and this is enough in between that she felt like this is a good, safe, conservative number to say, okay, here's where we are to say, and, and if when we, we s- multiply this number by that, we're good, yeah, conservative. So if we 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 say the term Greer relief, but it's not just Greer. It's the greater Greer community. So you want to run down the list of uh, communities? Yes. So Greer Relief serves Greer, Taylors, Duncan, Lyman, Welford, and StarTex. So we do serve the greater Greer community. And that is with our stability, our essential services program, our empowerment program. So those next steps, those transformational, that Renew program, VITA, the J. Vernon Smith Center itself, that broader is the upstate. So if, you're, if you want to come from Piedmont in CDSS, you come from Piedmont to CDSS. That's fine. If you want to come from Piedmont to take a Renew class, absolutely. Let's do it. So In, in the VITA program, you have to make an appointment. And we are, I, I would, preferred site is probably yes, a good, good way to put it. So we get people that are coming in from outside of our typical service area just to get their taxes done. And one of the things <clears throat> that I'm very proud of is done during COVID, all the silliness, we stayed open with proper precautions and following CDC guidelines. And we all know how, anyway, never mind. Um, but we stayed open. And a lot of the, the not for profits um, rely on more elderly people who were obviously more nervous and more at risk. But we, we did not miss. Our volunteer numbers went up. We got new volunteers. That's exciting. We were all, and, and I will say many of them called us and said, and so we went through that period where we were really trying to figure out what we were going to do. And our food pantry is 100% volunteer. If there's not a volunteer to put a food box or, together, then it, it's staff. And if staff's doing it, then we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. So um, we went through that whole, okay, then we're just not going to have food. If we don't have volunteers, we're not going to have and distribute food, which is, was desperately needed during that time period. So we came up with a very safe process for allowing volunteers to come and serve. And um, if people weren't comfortable, go by the grace. Do you do you? And we had plenty of people come and fill those fill those positions and take that take that on. And we had backdoor assistance, <laughs> so we were able to continue to serve and continue to help and assist. And our numbers flourished. Um, we were able to help 
able to help more people and, um, and expand our reach. We have we had funders coming and, and saying, you guys are doing more with less people doing it than organizations that had three times and four times the staff and resources prior. And But we, we just kept turning it out because people needed the help. They needed what we had. They needed the resources and they needed the help. Um, we started going on site to apartment complexes and really sitting there and actually assisting on site to make sure that people got the help they needed because transportation, again, real thing. Real, real problem for yeah. our neighbors. What has been one of the current projects? So, like, we've looked at the past, like, where you guys have been. What's one of the things right now you are working on that you're really excited about? So what we're working on right now is relocation, so an expansion. We have um, one of the first conversations I had back in um, 2007 when I was hired was, we need to move. <laughs> we are, um, we're in a small building um, that is very serviced out. Um, we are taking up every bit of space we possibly can and then some. So we are, one little space is serving five different things. Um, and we do what we can with what we have. Um, it also has some structural challenges that we are also working through as well. So um, we, along with the city, who is our landlord, um, and is are, a great partner, are working to relocate the entire center. So it's not just Greer Relief. It is all of the partner agencies. So still looking at the vision of Senator Smith and bringing the continuing to keep the services in the community, so keeping them with the people and relocating everybody to a new building that is almost three times the size of our current space. So it's big, it's ambitious, and it's not going to be cheap. <laughs> so we are working on um, just trying to make sure that the city has what they need, but also we have what we need because it is going to take an elevated um, elevated strategic planning on our part to make sure that we have the resources that we need to manage the space because we are going to be entering a new partnership with the city that is going to be taking on additional responsibilities that we have not taken on in the past. So making sure that we have all that, but also that we have good partners in place that we can actually continue doing what we do, but let's get more partners. Um, I've actually had two conversations this week with, hey, three conversations this week with, hey, have you ever thought about coming to Greer? And I'm like, why? Do you have space? <laughs> well, we I don't have space today, but let's talk because I, here's what's going on. And continuing that conversation to say in a year, we will have more space and this is what it's going to look like. So, so let's talk guys, about it now so that we're ready in a year. So it's about a year out before this transition will be starting or no, completed? Completed. Completed. Hopefully. Completely. All right. So, what happens after that year? What's the next? What's the next phase of Greer Relief? So we will be not just. I mean, we it will we will be an expanded resource center. So it, we'll have the five partner agencies we currently have, and hopefully, my goal will be five, maybe more new partners. Because the one thing Greer does need is more resources, more organizations helping the Greer. Because they, 
people are continuing to, to need more assistance and there's more programs out there that are popping up to do the do and they just need access to it. Yeah. So better space. It's always fun. <laughs> better space and accessibility in the Greer area and the win that I'm selling for them is how upstate do you want to be? Mm -hmm. If you want to be just Greenville, okay, you're not, that's not us. If you want to be upstate Greenville, Spartanburg, hey, let's talk. Because we're better than to be right in the middle. And then you can access both sides of the line. You can go to Greenville, just like us. You can go to Greenville when you need to, go to Spartanburg when you need to, and then those can come to us. But And then also the fact that there is transportation challenges here in Greer, where Greenville and Spartanburg does not have those same challenges. So if your people are trying to get to you, they can get to you better here in Greer. Greenville, if you go to a, you know, if you're going to be one-sided, Spartanburg won't ever go to Greer. Mm -hmm. Greenville. Greenville won't go to Spartanburg, but they will both come to Greer. It's not going to be a peanut butter in your chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no. Greer is the peanut butter and chocolate situation. That's... Yes. Such a I, I'm a car person, and every time I hear cars, I'm always like, <laughs> so that's that's the new and, and I'll say that's the new old news because people are still coming up to me and saying how's the new place and I'm like we're not there yes. <laughs> so yes yet so I've got the seventh set of plans on the wall and I'm waiting on the eighth set of plans to come in my email any day now and we're continuing to to move forward and plan on the things that we need to raise. So, I, again, knowing that there's resources that we're going to have to raise to make that happen. And, and we're in the initial phases of looking at a capital campaign, which we have never done before. Um, so that's it's an exciting challenge, but a we know it has to, we know it has to happen because the city, being a great partner, there's still certain things that they're going to give us X amount of money. And based well, on construction it's resources, costs, it's resources. They're yeah. going to do what they do, and then we have to do the rest. And then we have to do go from X to, to Y. So, but daunting, but exciting, and, and this is a very generous area. So, anybody watching, send us a check. Yeah. <laughs> Relief.org. <laughs> or you can just click the little button when you pay your CPW bill. Uh, every time. Um, what have been some of the unforeseen challenges outside of COVID that you have had to come up with creative solutions for? Staff. This, this staffing. Okay, I'm going to wait for a second. Some of them are already here. Yeah. We have we have been we have been part of the um, that staffing challenge that has um, occurred. Actually, I guess right before maybe, and then also on the curtails of, of COVID as well. But um, and a lot of turnover, and um, that mm. that want need desire to go virtual. You can't feed somebody if you're virtual. You can't meet your neighbor and serve your neighbor face to face and really 
do the, the work that needs to be done in a virtual world. Um, so there are some things, but really not a lot in, in the work that we do. Um, so it, it's been trying to meet the challenges of that type of desire in this work, but and still find the right people with the right passion. I have to have um, the right heart to be, you have to have a, a service heart to, to be in this because you're certainly not getting into it to make a lot of money. And and we or are any, a, really, well, if you're a volunteer. Yeah, well, true. We are a very high, um, Amon keeps telling me, we're a very high threshold, I mean, very high working um, space at Grid Relief. And um, I keep pointing, is it really that bad? Um, and it's not that it's bad, it's just, you may not necessarily, you may come in with a list of 10 things that you want to get done that day and walk out the door with not a single thing done just mm. because there were 20 other things and not by things. I mean, people in me that superseded that list of one of things that you thought were going to be the things that you accomplished that day. Um, now, depending on at what capacity you're serving in, in the organization as to what you're able to get done. Um, but if we don't have, so for example, the volunteer coordinator, if we don't have the eight volunteers that come in, come in, volunteer coordinator has to help get all the donations and all the food orders. And then she's not the only one. She needs help. So we need other people to you step up and step in. in. Directions. And, and so, you know, other people need to step up and step in. And if you've got 20 minutes here and 30 minutes there and, you know, yeah, you may have thought you could do this in here, but yeah. So the need for really making sure, and we've become a very high, um, high functioning um, food pantry and our orders have gone up exponentially. Mm. So, with that has come a high demand for resources, which thankfully in most cases we've had, but with that also has come the high need for the volunteers to match that. So bringing, having donations come in every day, we need more than two volunteers in a shift to help check those donations in, but also filling food orders. So it's really, it's, it's a machine. Mm -hmm. And just making sure all the parts of the machine are available and working in succinct. And, and the other part of the food pantry is that each item that's donated has a monetary value, and that has to be tracked. So a can of a big can of beans may be I don't know what you five dollars, three bucks. Three bucks. Okay. More simple. But that that all needs to be tracked. So once again, that's that's something that our the people that provide grants for us will ask for. Okay, you have a food pantry. How much assistance did you provide to the community? So it's it's not just taking things and go oh, loaf of bread put it over here can of soup put it over there it's like we have a tracking system yeah mm -hmm. so greerrelief.org that's where you guys can send a, where we can have people send donations yes. and volunteer but or volunteer yes. um, food pantry yes what do you guys look for typically canned food non perishables non perishable primarily non perishable and perishable food perishable absolutely foods. so we pass along. Um, so last night, my um, the band program had a function, and we had leftover Tropical Grill. We take those, and we put them into family meals, and we pass and distribute those to our neighbors. Um, so absolutely, food, perishable food is, is becoming two-thirds sometimes, depending on our supply, what we distribute to our neighbors. So loaves If we and, have it, we will give it. Yeah. So Loaves and Fishes is an organization that, that rescues food. 
but they don't have any refrigeration capacity. So they're literally dropping off. You might need a case of kale. Well, they, you got seven now because they don't. They don't. They have they, to distribute. So Caroline, in conjunction with a couple of other partners, Loaves and Fishes being one, um, we have a walk-in cooler. So that perishable item it isn't going to be wasted somewhere because they can't use it. It will go into a walk-in cooler, and that gives us an extra five to seven days to distribute that. And we get random donations. Um, we got strawberries yesterday. Yeah. I know. They were awesome. I saw the little... This, I saw the little baskets today. I'm like, oh, we got strawberries. Yay. And so they all were distributed today. So we, we got um, how many pallets of watermelons? Oh, I don't even know. But the pineapples were the ones. Oh, pine that, yeah. So a, a store, a, a store refused delivery. taller than me and you. Pallets of pineapples. Oh, no. I now have. So at that time, that was just a random truck showing up and saying, I got, actually, they had 16 pallets of pineapples. And all we were able to facilitate were eight, because just man, just physical manpower alone, we had to manually unload them. But I now have a pineapple plan of unloading <laughs> that we will get every single one. Is that the Pineapple one. Express? <laughs> we will get every single one of those uh, next time. Until we move into our new building, which has a loading dock. And then, and then we'll have a bigger, bigger walk-in freezer. I already have a sponsor for Pallet Jack. Good. So, and that's the, the other thing is um, a lot of the stores are very generous with their donations as far as about to expire um, or uh, the ship, that pineapple shipment got refused because mm -hmm. something... Oh, that was a hurricane. That was the hurricane. Oh, that was a... Yeah, so thankfully they know we're here and we'll, we'll take as much as we can because they know, you know, it's, they're writing it off anyway, so... They can't go anywhere. The guy just needed to unload it and we took it. Same, that was this, the pine, the, um... The watermelons was refusal, so they didn't like the boxes. The boxes were bent up. They didn't like the boxes, so we got we got the watermelons, and they were beautiful watermelons. For your neighbors, yes. what is the one thing you want them to know most about career relief? We are more than food and financial help. We are there to listen. We're there to counsel. And we're there to help you take those next steps and develop that, talk to you about a plan and a path. It is your responsibility, of course, to take it. But we're there to, hold, we're there to, to be with you during that and to take whatever steps we can to make sure that you can get the tools you need to, to make it happen. So a good example of that is we offer, um, I don't know if this is a formal partnership with the, the parental classes. Mm-hmm. Um, Triple P. Yeah, so that's you, one of our renewed classes. You, you got a, a, a new single mom who's a little freaked out. Maybe the you know the dad is not involved. Um, a little daunting, or obviously. Are. Or they are. Or they are. Um, <laughs> but they they just need some some guidance. Okay, how do I do? What are the steps as, as this P, child develops? Triple P is part of the Greenville First Steps, and um, mm -hmm. what it stands for is Positive Parenting Program, and what it is a program that helps parents become better parents. Um, and it is a in-home program. So it is a case manager, a facilitator that comes in-home to help parents with tools that they can learn to become better parents. So once again, trying children. to break that cycle. That's exciting. Well, thank you guys for joining us and talking about Greer Relief and yourselves. And we are... Again, actually, again, this is the second time we've done this. <laughs> but thank you again for taking. Thank the you time for out the opportunity. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate the opportunity.